Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox. I would like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series where I take a deep dive into the Miller and Chevalier Chartered 2020 Latin American Corruption Survey. In this podcast series, I visit with lawyers from Miller's FCPA and International Anti-Corruption Practice Group. They focus on matters involving the FCPA, money laundering, business and human rights, and other areas of international corporate compliance. They have experience with every facet of FCPA enforcement, from inception to completion, including developing work plans for international investigations, conducting internal investigations, developing remediation strategies, disclosing issues to the U.S. government, and negotiating resolutions with the government, as well as developing strategies for collateral issues, selecting independent monitors, and interfacing with independent monitors. If you ever find yourself in the need for an FCPA or international anti-corruption lawyer, check out any of these lawyers from Miller and Chevalier. Over this series, I will visit with James Tillon, Matt Ellis, Alejandra Almonte, and Greg Bates. In this part three of our five-part exploration of the Miller and Chevalier 2020 Latin American Anti-Corruption Survey, I visit with firm member Alejandro Almonte, and we explore some of the survey's high-level findings on compliance trends in Latin America. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode in the 2020 Latin American Corruption Survey from Miller and Chevalier. Today, I'm extraordinarily pleased to have with me firm member Alejandro Almonte. Uh, first of all, uh, Alejandra, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. It's a pleasure, Tom. Thank you so much for having me. Alejandro, as you know, I've been able to visit with uh, other members of your firm uh, on this survey. And what I really wanted to ask you about is to maybe take a step back and think about this from a high level and really some high level corruption trends and how a really a compliance practitioner could utilize the information that you guys uh, have put forward in their compliance program. So as a way of, as a start, maybe, could we recap some of the high-level findings about corruption, more importantly, anti-corruption compliance programs in the region? Absolutely. So focusing first on corruption, I think it'll be no surprise, and certainly you heard the same from my colleagues, Matt and James, corruption risk across Latin America continued to remain high. Uh, We had 54% of survey respondents tell us that corruption in their country is a significant obstacle to doing business. And I think what was particularly striking to us, Tom, is that this represented a 10% increase when we compare it to our survey results in 2012. So we're seeing an increase in the perception of any corruption in the region rather than a stabilizing or a decrease. We see 45% of respondents, for example, who tell us that offenders in their countries are, only 45% believe that offenders in their country are likely to be persecuted. And that number is down 66% from 2008. So I would say overall, the perception is that anti-corruption continues to be a significant risk. Now, at the same time, you asked about compliance programs. And interestingly enough, what we're seeing is a trend in the increase of Companies, both regional, multinational, implementing compliance programs. And we can talk a little bit more about what we're seeing there. And we're also seeing more sophisticated compliance programs in the region. So I had this discussion with James, and I practice in Houston, and I always have. 
And as you know, in the latter part of the last decade in the aughts, we had a a great number of FCPA enforcement actions involving energy companies, Uh, whether those was an industry sweep or or for whatever the reason may have been. But um, one of my observations was because of increased enforcement, we had increased awareness of corruption. So that when you have increased enforcement from a country such as Brazil, you have increased awareness. That awareness can be a self-awareness. It can be awareness of other companies who may have engaged in corruption. It can be awareness of other companies similarly situated in the same industries who've gotten into trouble. So the companies are taking a look at uh, their own uh, ways of doing business. Now, if I can overlay that with people like yourself who practice uh, with both uh, Brazilian domestic companies and a wide variety of uh, multinationals, uh, helping to guide them through um, best practices and compliance programs, I, I don't really find it at least a negative to have an increased awareness of corruption. Do you agree or disagree, uh, particularly around Brazil? I wholeheartedly agree, actually, Tom. I think it shows people are perceiving, one, that corruption is a real risk. When I first started practicing in the region many years ago, there was still a feeling of, yes, corruption exists, but it's almost a necessary evil. It's just the way things are done. It's low-level corruption. And not that it was justified or excused, but it was almost accepted as a reality to the business environment in Latin America. So I think you're right that the number of cases that we're seeing, I think importantly, the size of the enforcement actions that we're seeing in Latin America, and the fact that, you know, you mentioned Brazil, cases coming out of Brazil are affecting more than just Brazil. So you have companies in South America, in Central America, of course, Mexico and the Caribbean, who are understanding that they're not immune from enforcement actions themselves. So I, I do agree it shows an internalization of the risk. And that's part of the reason why I think we're seeing these higher numbers. And if I could maybe turn that question just a little bit to compliance programs, uh, one of my observations in in working with, traveling to, and observing Brazilian companies and Brazilian compliance pr- practitioners uh, over multiple years is uh, a great increase in Brazilian companies putting compliance programs in, but also that seems to me to drive, as you suggested, really a, a, a regional re- renaissance in compliance programs. Would that be a fair assessment from your perspective or at least from the data? It's both from my perception, from my perspective, and from the data. This is an area where I think we were not terribly surprised to see what we saw. So we track compliance program development into three categories, where we group least developed countries, developing countries, and most developed. What we see in the data, Tom, are countries shifting up in category. So we have five countries, Argentina, Chile, Costa Rica, Peru, and Uruguay, who moved up to the most developed categories. That's five countries in four years. I think that's pretty significant. Brazil, of course, has been in the most developed for some time. We saw Guatemala and Honduras move from the least developed to developing, which to me is remarkable. You know, we hear, I've heard visiting Central America that very often companies feel Central America is the flyover region for anti-corruption practitioners, right? We focus on Mexico, and then we jump down to Argentina, Brazil, Colombia. So to see two countries, particularly a country like Guatemala, one of the strongest economies in Central America, and Honduras, who's, you know, 
been less economically stable and politically stable in that middle category is is important. And what the data also shows, Tom, is countries that even in that least developed category, we're starting to see really the fundamental elements of compliance programs. So we're starting to see real policies and procedures that are focused on anti-corruption. We're starting to see training. Um, we're starting to see adoption of anti-corruption contract clauses, which shows there's at least, you know, maybe perhaps more of a paper program than, than we would want to see. But again, companies understanding that this is a real risk that needs to be addressed. For me, one of the most significant shifts was both the passage of the Clean Companies Act and other laws in Latin America and Central America, but also, <coughs> excuse me, the enforcement. And so I was wondering, what does the data show about where the FCPA stands, really vis-a-vis -vis, uh, localized anti-corruption uh, legislation? It shows that it continues to be the most important anti-corruption law in the region. Um, and here, you know, I alluded to the categories of companies that <clears throat> we surveyed. We have regional companies and multinational companies. And then we also consider those respondents that consider themselves to be subject to the FCPA and those that consider themselves not to be su uh, subject to the FCPA. And we saw half of local and regional companies report that they have familiarity with the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. And 86% of multinational respond, uh, company respondents have a familiarity with the FCPA. With respect to companies that are not or consider themselves not to be directly subject to the FCPA, even there, we see over half, 59% of respondents having some familiarity with the, with the law. And not surprisingly, for U.S.-based um, respondents or companies that see themselves as subject, you've got 96% of respondents who are familiar. So we still see the region looking at the FCPA as the most impactful law and striving to become familiar with it. Even, you know, we have when Argentina, Brazil, Chile, Colombia, Costa Rica, Mexico, and Peru all bringing their own laws in the last several years. But the FCPA continues to be a guiding a guiding principle. Over the uh, the past couple of surveys, I don't think it would have been surprising if you represented a U.S. client doing business or looking to do business in Brazil. You would have asked questions of your potential third parties, your potential joint venture partners, or other business relationships. I wanted to flip it to say now, in 2020, do U.S. companies get questions from uh, Brazilian lawyers about their compliance programs vis-a-vis -vis the Clean Companies Act? And do you guide, do you counsel clients on that issue? That's a great question, Tom. And the answer to both of those is yes. Um, you know, we have seen, not as frequently, but I have seen some companies ask about compliance with um, the Clean Companies Act. And I've seen companies be more specific in asking us for guidance on how to tailor, U.S. companies, I should specify, on how to tailor their compliance programs to the Clean Companies Act and to start reflecting in a more deliberate way compliance with the Clean Companies Act and, and hopefully more and more other laws within the region. I must say I'm a little bit surprised that one of the themes you seem to be uh, articulating is the continued importance of the FCPA. Would that be a fair assessment that you think both the law itself, the evaluation of cor corporate compliance programs and other documents from the DOJ interpreting compliance programs and even enforcement 
is uh, going to be continued uh, of importance in the region? I, I do think so, Tom. Um, I do think so. And I think it's, you know, maybe for a different reason than we might have seen originally. Originally, it was because really it was the clearest risk of enforcement that companies had. Now we see more enforcement locally, but it does, it does still contain an important history of lessons learned. And I think that's where we see companies looking to the FCPA, looking to FCPA enforcement trends so that they're not in a position of reinventing the wheel in trying to assess where the risk points are, of looking to DOJ and SEC compliance guidance to understand what ultimately does make an effective compliance program work. And, you know, I would say we see that from companies in Latin America and governments who are just themselves learning how to evaluate an effective compliance program. So those are the reasons, Tom, that I think it's going to continue to be to be important for practitioners and companies in the region. Alejandro, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I've been visiting with Alejandra Almonte, a member at Miller and Chevalier, and I wanted to thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. It's been a real pleasure, Tom. Thank you so much for having me. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode in our five-part exploration of the Miller & Chevalier 2020 Latin American Corruption Survey. We will link to the uh, survey in the show notes, so check it out. I hope you'll join us again tomorrow where I visit with firm counsel Greg Bates. We explore some of the survey's data on compliance program and design in Latin America. This special five-part podcast series has been a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.